Hey, everybody. It's your host, Felipe Melicio. You're listening to the Total Basis Podcast uh, with Sean Flannery. Sean, say hi to everybody. Hey, how we doing, guys? What's up? I almost did it again. I thought I, I was doing well and not calling you Connery, but I did it. Hey, I almost... That's the middle name. It's very confusing, I know. Sean Connery. Oh. All right. Well, as you can... As you can tell from the title of the post here, we are talking about the St. Louis Cardinals, the Houston Astros, the L.A. Dodgers, the New York Yankees, and the Minnesota Twins. Matthew Whelan is on with us uh, uh, on the uh, chat down there. Uh, Angels fan uh, podcast. Uh, he's at the lab. He says I look very dapper. Yeah, Dapper Dan. Oh, I dapper. said Dapper Felipe. <laughs> Who the hell's Dapper Dan? Who? Oh, come on. Is that a? Adam it means Stanley you're looking thing? fresh. It means you're looking fresh. Oh, okay. I thought you're looking like, dapper. Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought I dressed up uh, today as this is my <laughs> penultimate show. Uh, as I before I go on to indefinite hiatus, that the day is finally here. I decided the next Tuesday will be my last uh, podcast with Sean until further notice, as I go on paternity leave. Sad face, sad face. Uh, so yeah, we're crying. I, yeah. I I honestly was. I always look forward to these with you, Sean. I thank you for being a, a very uh, a, a very uh, dedicated co-host. Uh, I, I couldn't think of a better person to. But it's something you guys got to know about Sean, man. Um, when my computer goes down the fritz, or when when the shit hits the fan for me, he steps up big time. Like <laughs> usually, I, I, I I'm the one who has to get everything in order and set everything up. But Sean comes in and and uh, he'll sometimes take over hosting duties for me and uh, just to do all the little things that I that people take for granted. He'll step up and do it himself. So I do thank you uh, heartfeltly uh, for uh, stepping up when you needed to step up. So yeah. uh, on, that, on that note, let's go ahead and share that screen. We are doing the last of the obscure lineups, which looking back... It's kind of, it's kind of sad, but it, it, it is... Uh freeing almost that we're done with it I, I did i never thought we would actually finish and i thought we would like cast it aside but here we are we're down to the final five teams and i'm just excited because this was a lot of tough ones the the corner infield slots and the outfield slots there's just so many good players on these teams that it's it's really hard to pick and i'm not seeing it on my screen i'll uh it, it's a, 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 it takes a second usually we'll, right. we'll wait for it to pop up but yeah, this one was a very tough one. I remember when we first started, we 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 uh, focused on the shittiest teams in Major League Baseball, and uh, those were slim pickings because it's not very well-rounded talent-wise. And I'm not seeing it pop up. So, what do you think? Uh, you, you can cancel screen sharing and bring it back up. All right, I'll turn it on and off again. Okay. And now that we we get to this point, and it's like we're now talking about the best teams in baseball. And this was very, like you said, this was very tough because there's a lot of talent that on, with these five teams. It's all uh, very top heavy when it comes to Major League Baseball, unfortunately. But as we mentioned when we when we talked about the five worst teams in Major League Baseball, the players that they have on those rosters, they're you know good to have in terms of rounding out your roster, complementing the big yeah. pieces, and um, looking for the breakouts. There were some breakouts on, on those teams as well. Yeah, there we go. We're up now. And here, you're, this, these are basically players you want to build your fantasy teams around with. Um, it's, it's, so let me see. I'm just making sure that it shows up. There it is. And I just want to make sure that people could see it. But there's the lineups. There's Sean's team. There's my team. And we start at catcher, which Sean decided to be difficult and went with <laughs> Gary Sanchez. 
What would it be if I, went, I was not difficult? Come on I, like, now. I went with Gary Sanchez. You're going with Mitch Garver. We talked about Mitch Garver before. I know you like him a lot. I'm a little skeptical with the playing time. Uh, we all know who Gary Sanchez is, so I'll let you start off. Uh, why Mitch Gar- Garver, Garver for you? Sorry. I, I really buy the breakout last year. Uh, he's Every year since he's under the league, he's lo- increased his launch angle, increased his exit velocity, and it just that team turned into a launching pad. I mean, the stadium turned into a launching pad. I mean, everyone on that team hit home runs. Mitch Garver was no different. I, I think he was in, like, top five in the league in home runs per at-bats. Uh, like you said, playing time might be a concern. But he just mashes. He struggles a little bit versus breaking an off speed. And we'll see if pitchers kind of change how they pitch him going into that. But this is a guy who I mean, he batted 341 off of fastballs. That was 30 home runs, 25 of them uh, came against fastballs. He almost had as many home runs as he did strikeouts on fastballs, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, as long as pitchers don't really, as long as he adjusts to breaking, uh, breaking speed. Ugh, Breaking pitches and off-speed pitches, he should be fine. Gary Sanchez, I'm, I'm, he's no slouch. I mean, you know what you're going to get. Crazy power, but he is a batting average liability. I don't see that with Mitch Garver. Interesting. Yeah, because with Gary, I mean, I, I have Gary as my number one catcher last year. I don't think he's number one on my list this year. I think I just went ahead and went with JT Real Muto. But I know that batting average is a concern, but I still believe that he could hit for a decent batting average. And the best part about him is that he provides unlimited amount of power, in my view. So that's why I he's the safe choice for me. But uh, Mitch Garver would definitely be the guy, what do you call it? What the, I think we talked about catcher enough where Gar, this guy is like a top six uh, catcher. Oh, yeah, for sure. So And, and then the, the, the kind of the sneak pick here, you know, is we have the Dodgers and we have rookie Will Smith. And he's a guy who I've heard a lot of comps to kind of a, a right-handed Yasmani Grandal. The batting average might not be great, but he's going to walk. He needs to work on the strikeouts a little bit, but he he reminds me of Nick Castellanos in the box. He doesn't really hit the ball all that hard, but he just launches it. And in only about, I think, 40, 50 games, he had 15 home runs and a slugging of almost 600. So Will Smith's another guy to look at. As a rookie, you know, first full year, you might be able to get him at a discount. So definitely be on the lookout for him to be your uh, one catcher as well. Uh, let's see. We, there's also Yadier Molina. Just taking a look at the other teams. Uh, Yadier you mean, Molina. You, the best catcher in baseball, as people say, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, who's the Astros catcher? Is it uh, Martin, uh, Martin Maldonado? Maldon- yep. Still, okay, Maldonado. Uh, well, he, he he left and then he came back and now he's back again. Okay. Something convoluted and confusing, of course. All right, let's uh, quickly move on. Well, let me uh, get to these comments first. Uh, Corey is on. I thought I saw Liam on for a little bit. I don't know if he's still on or not. Uh, Corey just wants to share that he wishes uh, Trey Mancini a speedy recovery, as uh, we've known for a while that he's had cancer and I guess it's now stage three. So. Yeah, that's that sucks, man. He's a really good hitter. I liked him. I before the injury or before the cancer, I had him as a sneaky pick at first base and in the outfield. And to see him uh, continue to struggle with cancer, that that's a damn shame. Uh, Vince is on. Says that he likes my list better until he realized that we both did- have DJ DJ LeMahieu. <laughs> yeah. It was hard for me to keep him off. Like I said, that corner infield slot was probably the toughest one to fill for me. Speaking of corner infield, here's that first base. We, I have Cody Bellinger. You have Max Muncy. I was going to say we both have Dodger players here. <laughs> um, so you went with Muncy. So that means you wanted uh, 
you wanted Bellinger at outfield, obviously, but why Muncie? Muncie has just been him and Justin Turner, another guy who I couldn't get on this roster. These two guys, they have just quietly produced at elite levels. Both Turner and Muncie. Turner has a 145 weighted runs created plus total offensive production over the last three years. Muncie's right ahead of him at 146. They both have on-base percentages over 380, slugging over 510. I'm Turner has hit 62 home runs over the last three seasons, and Muncy's hit 70 in 278 games. I, he's a perennial, like I would say, 30, 35 home run threat now. And you put him in that lineup where he's going to be top of the lineup around guys like Mookie Betts and Clay or Clay Bellinger, that's his dad, Cody Bellinger, it's, it's hard not to pick him because he gets on base and he's going to not only get on base to score in front of guys like Bellinger, he's going to knock in elite on base guys like Mookie Betts. Yeah, I like Muncie. The one thing I don't like about him, he's left-handed. That's like a running Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. I pick the lefties that you don't, so it, it works yeah. out. <laughs> Plus, the Do- it's the Dodgers, so they're always going to have, like, multiple uh, lineups every single game. Yeah, um, Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts, that's another thing, is Muncie, up until last year, really didn't face left-handed pitching. He always hit him relatively well, but Roberts would sit him because they had guys like Kike Hernandez and Chris Taylor. Last year, he finally got to play against lefties more, played more games, and, of course, hit more home runs and had higher counting stats because of it. Well, until I see – it's unfortunately for me, it's – got to show me that you're going to be able to play every day. And, and not just him, but Roberts. Dave Roberts has to show me that as well. Otherwise, uh, I want no part of it. But Max Muncy as a player, just him alone, I do like a lot. Uh, Let's see. I'm just looking at some of the splits. Usually, I don't look at splits, but now you got me curious. Um, I'm trying to see if there's like, oh, it's only 2019. There's, oh, there is a career. Okay, so I'm gonna look at the career just out of curiosity. And yeah, he's a 260 hitter, which is uh, against left-handed pitchers, which isn't too bad, mm-hmm. uh, especially considering the circumstances. But I want to look at other numbers. Like there we are, the advanced stats. Actually, a higher OPS in 2019 versus lefties than he had against righties. Yeah. Uh, and then one, for his career, I'm pretty sure they're relatively close. I'm I was sure going to get to that right now. WRC plus 135 uh, <laughs> and 131 against righties, but 135 against lefties, 371 WOBA, weighted on base average. Yeah, and the OPS, 22 points higher. Like I said, Dodgers fans have been clamoring and just yelling at Dave Roberts for years. Play this guy against lefties. He can hit him. And uh, last year he did play more against lefties. He had a career high in uh, plate appearances, almost 600. So I think playing time concerns are not as large for him as they used to be. And the one thing that sucks about him is that he has a career 29% strikeout rate against uh, left-handed pitchers, which is probably the reason why you know, reason enough to be concerned. Uh, obviously, you just mentioned the plate appearances and the at-bats. Um, yeah, it's a lot higher career-wise, but I think you mentioned that last year was probably the most playing time he's had, right? Yeah, like, for okay. sure. Anyway, so that's that. I, I'm still uh, concerned, but I don't blame you for going from uh, Max Muncy in this regard. Moving on to second base, you already know how much I love Glebar Torres. You picked Jose Altuve. Why? 30, uh, even though I really don't buy his power, I think he takes full advantage of that very short left field fence, and he's starting to learn. I mean, he's always been a, a very great contact hitter, but 
I, I saw last year that he had 31 home runs, and I'm like, I don't really buy that. But then the part that makes me even more like, what in the world, is that he hit 31 home runs in only 124 games. So, like, even if he played an additional 20, he was probably pushing 40 home runs. And I think he just – he does a little bit of everything. He's going to carry your batting average. He doesn't strike out if you're in a points league. He walks at a good clip. He doesn't steal the bases like he used to, so he's not really a first or second round pick. But I I don't see – and you're probably going to get him at a discount after the whole Mm -hmm. uh, scandal. We've talked about that in prior episodes. I I just really think that he does – everything and at second base if I can get a little bit of everything with potential for 30 home runs I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna run with it <laughs> well I, I think you know why I picked Levar Torres over Jose Altuve you have him <laughs> well, he's, he's, a, he's on one of the teams I know <laughs> well it's because he's uh well not just that but he's only 23 years old right so that's only, only 23 <laughs> Is that you who always brings that up? Because oh, you're yeah. well, of, it's, uh... it, it's the Joe Buck. Yeah, yeah the Joe okay. Buck all, all during the postseason. He's 22 years old. Well, he's only 23 years old. This kid is a stud. <laughs> okay, well. And what are we going to do without your radio impressions and talk show impressions? That We're was a really bad Joe Buck. I don't have a really good Joe Buck, but the Vince Scully, I'm going to take advantage of it as much as I can. <laughs> uh, I don't know if people notice it, but every time I say the Dodgers, I say it like the way he would say it, kind <laughs> yes. of, sort of, maybe. So anyway, uh, that's why. All right, let's go to shortstop. Uh, I This is the first Astro on my team, Alex Bregman. As you guys will notice, uh, unlike Sean, I do not have Jose Altuve or Carlos Correa. And by the way, anytime you see a highlighted name, it's because uh, we have matching players but at different uh, positions, like right here with Alex Bregman. And okay. when you see that it's in yellow, is that we are copacetic in that regard. Like we are matching row by row, column by column. But getting to Bregman, you have him at third base. I have him at shortstop. I actually do like Alex Bregman, but there is something uh, that I noticed about some of his stat cast numbers, uh, which kind of raised a little bit of a red flag for me, but he does play in a hitter's paradise down in Houston. Yeah. Plus, uh, Another guy that took advantage. He His home runs, I think he had like the lowest average home run distance. But it's like when you play in that park and you can turn on the fastball like he obviously can, it, you don't have to hit it far to get it over that left field fence, the Crawford boxes. Yeah. And he, he takes full advantage of it. Yeah, so I, I can still see him take advantage of it. Um, plus, according to most people, they're still going to be cheating anyway, so that's always <laughs> a, a – no, but uh, he's one of the, young, the better younger players uh, in the game. The reason I didn't go with Carlos Correa at this spot is because I don't know how he's going to recover from that back injury. Um, from what people tell me is that that's going to be a lingering problem. How do you see that? Uh, I, I definitely do see it as an issue, and – I wouldn't put him here if I didn't believe that. I mean, he's still – everyone, like, I feel like he's the oldest 25 years old in the league. Like, oh, he's yeah. only 25. And I feel like if you're going to overcome an injury like a back or something like that, you're going to do it at a younger age. And even last year, he only played in 75 games. But by WOBA, weighted runs created plus basically any metric to determine offensive output – he was one of the best shortstop in all of baseball and definitely the best shortstop in this or in these teams. Uh, he had a 143 WRC plus, a 380 WOBA, walked 11% of the time, struck out 23, 
279, 358, 568 slugging, 21 home runs in 75 games. I still think the talent's there. I'm not sure if they need to move him off of shortstop. That might be something that might help the back if they put him at second or or maybe third and move Bregman to short full-time. I don't know. But I still think that that offensive profile, he, he does remind me a lot of like a younger David Wright in just the way he swings, the way he stays in the box. And you're going to get him at a discount because everyone has that question mark in their head is, oh, you know, what's the injury going to cause? And we're looking at a already shortened season. And I look at it two ways. If you have a shortened season, you have guys that are, you know, hurt a lot. They're going to still miss time. Or since they don't have to play as many games, they're not going to get hurt. They're going to kind of pace themselves more. And I think Correa is a guy that, that could do that. And I think you're going to get him for an absolute bargain, especially when you look at Glaber Torres's uh, ADP and, you know, the top two rounds. It, I, I can't justify that. I, I'm not a big believer in the profile. I'll definitely take Correa way later in the draft. Uh, that's fair enough. Uh, you know, looking at the stats right here, uh, Correa and Glaber Torres are pretty much the same player. Uh, and the fact that neither steal a lot of bases – yeah, uh, and then Clay Bart. Well, the only difference is Clay Bart Torres is from a, a lot more home runs and can stay healthy. Yeah, I mean they were about on the same home run pace last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Correa or Torres hit thirty eight and one hundred and forty four, and Correa hit twenty one and seventy five. Yeah, uh, that's very surprising. For some reason, I, I just remember people complaining about uh, not being healthy enough last year. And I'm looking at his stats, like why are he still produced? Yeah, <laughs> but like I, I think Vince. Uh, puts it down back yeah. and neck injuries I, I fear the most and that's my thing as well like I mean there's a, listen there's a lot of things to worry about in terms of injuries uh, but you're talking about if you're talking about a back and you know these mysterious back spasms and whatever that they, oh yeah <laughs> the Clayton Kershaw plane ride to Australia always gets talked about that that was the beginnings of his back issues yeah it, it, it's like it's I don't know it's just you gotta outweigh the weigh the risks and see if it's worth it for you it's not worth it for me um i mean tatis has the back issue and he's still going like what 13 14 adp <laughs> excuse me that's uh fernando tatis you're talking about that's <laughs> so yeah so as you can tell it's always uh, like a, a like a preference that if you're willing to take a risk on carlos correa go for it me i'm willing to take a risk on fernando tatis jr because you know i see him in the same way i see glabar torres yeah, especially if I can kind of handcuff both, like pick Bregman in the first or second round and then get Correa way later. And then that way I know I'm going to get at least, you know, one of those guys and just absolutely nothing but plus value from the rest. Uh, going to my third baseman, Josh Donaldson, who's now a twin. Last I checked. Think Another guy that I – yeah, he's, he's on the twin side. The four-year, I believe, 100 and – like 19 million, 109 million. Some, it was a weird number. The Twins just outbid the Braves. Well, yeah, and uh, I like him at that position at third base. And the other uh, nuance to this whole thing is make sure that every team gets represented on this list. And I believe he might be the only Twins player I have. Oh, well, there's the, the closer as well, which we're going to get to. But I, you know, I just wanted to make sure I at least put uh, Josh Donaldson in there to represent the Twins. Uh, and also, because I slept on him last year, I'm not going to sleep on him this year. So I wanted to make sure I have him on, my, on, on this list at the very least. Yeah, he's an absolute stud in points leagues. Uh, had a walk percentage over 15%, on base over 370. Hit, uh, he's hit 78 home runs over the last three seasons. 
Uh, injuries, you know, are always, especially at his age, but now he goes to an American League team where he might be able to DH, especially with Cruz in the last year of his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it should be interesting to see how he does. He's another big-time home run hitter going to the team that led the – they led the league in home runs, I, I believe, last year, the Twins. Sounds right. But third base, like like I said, the, the corner infield positions here were so tough because you have great hitters, Josh Donaldson, Justin Turner – um, even like Miguel Sano, I really think Miguel Sano is on that Joey Gallo track of, you know, just insane power with insane amount of strikeouts. Um, but a lot of guys here, uh, I, I can't fault you for the Donaldson pick. He's a guy that I really wanted to fit on the roster. Go to the outfield now. Uh, we both have Aaron Judge and Mookie Betts. Uh, you already talked about Cody Bellinger. So the one difference here is George Springer. You don't have him. I have him. Uh, that's why I decided to go with Cody Bellinger as my first baseman, just so I could fit George Springer in there. It's kind of hypocritical of me because I'm, I, mean, I, I just talked about how I'm worried about Carlos Correa's uh, injuries. George Springer plays like a guy who is going to pay for it as he turns 30 years, as he goes to the other side of 30 uh, in, in his career. Um, what do you think about George Springer? Even though you don't have him, what do you think? I, I think, like I said, he's a guy – there's a lot of good players that didn't make the list. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we don't like them. That just means I like other guys in front of them. That being said, if there was a year that I was going to draft George Springer, and I, I do believe I got him in a few drafts this year, um, he's an impending free agent. He's in a contract year. Well, that's a, something I think we've all forgotten is when games do start getting played, you're going to have a lot of guys that are really going to have to show out to say, hey, I'm still worth it. You know, they're not going to have the 30 home run season to really say, hey, look at me, I'm a 30 home run hitter. Everyone's going to have to take it, you know, in terms of averages and whatnot. But uh, Springer's a guy, he's out there, he's going to be playing for a contract. He's done nothing but produce. He's a five-category stud. Um, good player. I, I, I just can't fit him in here when I had Bellinger in the outfield. Well, you mentioned five-category stud, and I'm just kind of randomly looking at his stats uh, right now. And he has he, – he, he stopped running the last yeah. few years, yeah. But, but in he, a contract year, we've seen players do stuff outside of their norms in a contract year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it depends on the situation and everything, right? But, uh, I mean, I don't know. Does Dusty Baker like to run? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, he, he's like an old-fashioned – yeah, he's an old-fashioned – he lets him run. Uh, and I believe that that's what a lot of people are liking out of some of these Astros is they do have a lot of team speed. And if it's going to be one guy that's going to unleash, it's going to be Dusty Baker. Yeah, last year he was still 83rd in um, sprint speed or 83rd percentile in sprint speed. So the, yeah. the, the raw speed is still there. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, well, he doesn't – I mean, he just because he doesn't put post the stolen bases, I mean, he's still a fast guy. I mean, he, he gets over 100 runs every year which yeah that, that that's the main that's really where you get a lot of his uh, base running is on in the runs and, be, and before people come at me well that's more of a team oriented stat because he needs the boppers to yeah. drive him in i mean i'm looking at his ultimate base running metrics which uh, is supposed to measure all that like the little uh getting from first to third issues and, and yeah he's he's negative over the last three years i didn't really notice not, not that. you not ubr ubr he's positive oh, the stolen okay. bases is negative uh yeah i'm looking at bsr yeah Oh yeah, because uh, the 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 weighted stolen bases are negative. Yeah, um, but he doesn't steal a lot of bases anyway to begin yeah. with. But it does weigh him down. But if you look at just the ultimate base running statistic, which is supposed to measure the the little, you know, going from first to the, third, taking or, the extra bases. Yeah, taking the extra yeah. bases and how that adds into runs. I mean, he's a positive in that regard. So I'm not. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think that's part of the reason why we think he's a five 
uh, tool stud in, in, in fantasy, in 5x5 five five traditional means, because of how fast he is. I mean, he's still fast. He just doesn't steal bases. Well, we'll see what Dusty Baker implements in terms of offensive uh, output in that regard. Yeah, just to talk about how good these guys are. The outfielders plus our utility, um, I have all of those guys put into a little system right here. Mm-hmm. And um, the lowest WOBA among all of them is George Springer at 371. And that's still outlandishly good. He's also the, the, the worst in weighted runs created plus at 137. So everyone in this group is 37% or more better than the league average hitter. So these are all just like, you know, great hitters. You should want all of them on your team. Uh, just because we don't see them. I want to talk about them because I know how good they are and how useful they can be to your fantasy team. Now, really quick, I just want to make sure I, I read Vince's uh, Dong City, Vince, Dong City's Vince Mercandetti <laughs> chiming in, talking about Glavar Torres having multiple positions, uh, which is, that is part of the allure too. Yeah. Glavar Torres is like he plays both second and short. And, you know, first and second round, you kind of want that as Versatility, well. yeah. The versatility is very important. Uh, he's healthy. Oh, wait, sorry. Not, not, not that he's healthy, but health in multiple position is a significantly higher desire, but in most leagues, Glavar will go too early anyway, like top 18. And that's another thing with Glavar Torres you got to account for is the Yankee factor. Yankee fans are always going to go after Yankee players, and there's a lot more Yankee fans than any other fans out there in terms of fan bases. So, yeah, you got to kind of reach for him in the first yeah. or second round, don't you? And after, and after such a breakout year, I mean, this is the time that everyone's going to be going after him. And like I said, Torres is a solid player. He plays in a, a great ballpark for what he does, a great lineup that he's going to get your runs and RBIs, no doubt, and even the home runs. Uh, the home runs I do expect to come down, but those runs and RBIs, he's still probably going to be 100-plus in each just because of that lineup, that division, and that ballpark. Great in uh, – Bob Nightingale released that there might be slightly new divisions, but as long he, he's still going to be able to play in ballparks like Yankee Stadium, uh, Camden, and uh, Fenway, all three parks that he's just absolutely mashed in. So not too much of a strain on him there if that does happen. Let's move on to my corner infielder, which is Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, yeah, that well, first and foremost, like again, again, I wanted to make sure that all the teams were represented in this one. But he still hit – I mean, he kind of turned around his second half last year from what I remember. Yeah, he, he had a terrible, like, first two months. Like, it, it was yeah. just brutal. And I then he, yeah. he kicked it into gear. So, uh, he's going to be entering his age 32 season. Uh, he's durable he, despite the fact that he is getting older. And he is a late bloomer, uh, relatively speaking. But he still matched 34 home runs last year. Stolen bases. I, I guess it's safe to say it's uh, bye. You know, he's no yeah. longer that uh, the steal at first base because he steals bases. I, those days are long gone, I believe. But he still hit enough, well enough to kind of uh, make sure I put him in there at my corner infield position to see if that second half uh, is that is the real Paul Goldschmidt. You know, I figure yeah. I might as well put him I, in there. I, I don't – I think this was kind of like his floor – um, I think, you know, in the first year of a big extension, uh, he signed either at the beginning of the year or like halfway through. I can't remember. I know he signed that extension, I believe. Yeah, five years, $130 million. You know, it, it's tough for a lot of guys in that first contract. You're trying to live up to it, uh, trying to do probably too much. And he's another guy I really wanted to put on here, especially after the Cardinals were supposed to be last week. And I really wanted him on that list last week. Um, <laughs> but out of all the corner infield guys I was looking at over the last three years on these teams, 
he's the only corner infielder to have 300-plus runs and 300-plus RBIs in the last three seasons total. Everybody else is like 200 maybe for each. He's the only guy. He's 309 runs and 300 RBIs. And he still stole three bases last year, which at first base is a plus. I mean, you're not really expecting anything out of a first baseman with stolen bases. And sometimes those margins on stolen bases can be really close between teams, uh, especially in Roto Leagues. For those watching on Facebook Live, I switched uh, spreadsheets. I went over to the uh, my rankings for this year, which includes 2019 StatCast data. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure Paul Goldschmidt did hit uh, exit velocity of 90 miles an hour last year, over 90 yeah. miles an hour last year. So I wanted to make sure that that was – Yeah, the, the, bat, the bat speed and stuff was still there. It was, it was just a, a funky season for him. I, I just wanted to make sure that that was the reason I, uh, that I put him in there. Also, uh, hard hit rate hard hit. over 40% as well. Yeah. So – it's not a lost cause with Paulie. Just Paulie. He's not Paul Commercial. Uh, with Goldie. Uh, Goldie. There uh, so, we go. <laughs> yeah. I got to make my make sure my nicknames are straight. The other concern, I, a slight concern I have about him is that uh, I guess the – I just want to make sure I have this right. Yes, the walk rate has been dropping, but still have the strikeouts. Then again, everybody's striking out. So at, at, all we care about in fantasy is, is he producing? Is he putting up the numbers? Is he putting up the 30-plus? And he's, he's going to be in the middle of a lineup in, on a contending team. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So that, that's all that matters. Uh, we have a DJ LeMayhew sighting. Uh, we were not yeah. going to forget about him. I love DJ LeMayhew. Multiple position versatility. We were just talking about it. And I really wanted to bring him up, and I said, we'll just wait until we get to my corner infield. Well, <laughs> now we're, yeah, I have a middle infield. You have a corner infield. Uh, that's I mean, the, he plays that. He plays everywhere on the infield, so it works perfectly. That's the um, joys of uh, having multiple. Well, having this lineup setup is that you can yeah. add a DJ LeMahieu and uh, eventually into your lineup. Go ahead. Yeah. And last year, I mean, he won the batting title in Colorado. Uh, he comes to Yankee Stadium, and a lot of people expected an increase in power, but it's not like he changed how he hits. He he doesn't change. How, he, how hard he hits the ball, it's always still line drive, line drive, line drive. But going from Colorado where the outfield is huge, and which led to him winning a batting title. I think he batted like 336 that year, something crazy. And yeah, three, yeah, 348. It was, uh, they started playing um, four-man outfields against him because they knew he was going to hit it to the opposite field in the air. I mean, he, and last year, it's like you think, go to Yankee Stadium, he's going to hit for more power. But not always because he's a right-handed hitter. But with the way he hits the ball, he hits line drives to right center field and right field, which at Yankee Stadium is a godsend. It's low fence unlike Colorado. He hits the ball hard. He's like in the 90th percentile or better in exit velocity, hard hit rate. He just hits the ball hard. Points league, mega god because he doesn't strike out. Um, Contending for a batting title, which when we get to my middle infielder, I think that's my batting title champ right there. But a great year in New York. I believe he's in a contract year. I think they only signed him to two years. So we'll see if he uh, puts up the numbers again. Uh, 25 home runs, you know, of course, in a shortened season might be more like 18 or 20. But uh, the RBIs in his slash line should stay the same. Yeah, just to point out how ridiculous it is, the number of positions this this guy qualifies for. Second base, third base, first base. And he can play shortstop. I've seen him. Yeah, uh, he, he used to play shortstop for the Cubs, yeah. That was a long time ago, yeah. Yeah, I know Cubs fans still talk about him like, oh, the one that got away. And <laughs> like, it, it, listen, guys, 2011, 2009, 2008, you weren't thinking about DJ LeMahieu. Stop kidding yourself. Come on. 
So, uh, I'm trying to remember what that trade was for. I can't remember. I'll have to look it up afterwards. Well, go, I'll, I'll look it up. You go ahead and talk about your guy, Luis Arias, the punch and Judy middle infielder who you are predicting will win the batting title this year. I, I predict either this year or next year, within the next two years. This is a guy who, in his, like you said, he's, he is a punch and Judy hitter. He, he's much like uh, Hanser Alberto, if we're going to flash back to our very first episode, where he was like in the bottom 5% of exit velocity, but in the top 5% of expected batting average, according to Baseball Savant. In the minors, this guy batted 331 with a 385 on base, only a 414 slugging, and in six seasons hit six home runs. That doesn't really scream, you know, fantasy stud, obviously. But 122 walks to 129 strikeouts in the minors over six years. He in This year in the majors, he actually walked more than he struck out, batted 334, three points higher than he did in the minors, uh, and on base one point off of 400. And in only 92 games, he hit four home runs. That's, that's bl- budding power. And I, I, I say that jokingly. I, I don't think he's going to be a big home run threat. But if there's going to be one guy that is going to be next year's Jeff McNeil, this is the guy. I, he just – he hits. And I remember the Mets had a series against Luis Arise, and he came off the bench. And he's not a very good fielder. Right now they have him plugged in at second base, and he's probably going to hit in the bottom part of the lineup. But even in the bottom part of the lineup, he's sandwiched by Josh Donaldson and Miguel Sano. So not two terrible guys like – most other bottom lineups. But I remember he came off the bench and he had like a 12 pinch at bat, like pinch hitting. And it's like, this guy just, he doesn't swing at pitches outside the strike zone. And if a pitcher gives him a good pitch, like on the corner, he just fouls it off, fouls it off. And then he finally gets a pitch in the strike zone and he punches it to left field or he hits it up the middle or he pulls it in the gap. If there's a runner on first, he's just the barrel awareness on this guy. I think he's going to be, he actually has the highest batting average over the last three years. I mean, and it's not even relatively close. The next closest guy is Howie Kendrick at 325. Uh, Arise is at 334, so almost 10-point difference there. Uh, I think everyone is sleeping on him. He could – I don't want to say win you a, a league, but he's going to be a big part of some winning team's league or some some winning team's roster. Yeah, qualifies at second base and left field or outfield if you only play outfield leagues. Um, just wanted to double – to check something now i can't remember what i wanted to check on on arias but uh, yeah doesn't strike out a lot doesn't walk out a lot either but he makes up for it with massive amounts of contact i predict let me double check his play physical numbers yeah 93.3 percent contact rate which at this oh, it, point it's like david fletcher juan pierre levels of contact yeah i was gonna say if not anything above 90 at this point first of all it's a miracle because contact rates are dropping well last i checked they were dropping i don't know if yeah they, they dropped are. <laughs> okay. Uh, 2.8 swinging strike. Now that I know that that's a very low number. So that, yeah. that's Williams Astadio, his teammate low. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The twins have a, a certain way of that, of uh, bringing up their players. They have a certain player in mind. I think we talked about that a long time ago in this podcast too, that the twins have, they usually have a pitching, like a pitching model in mind when they bring up their pitchers. And I think they have something in mind when they bring up their uh, pesky hitters. Yeah. Uh, the DJ LeMahieu trade, the Cubs, uh, first of all, December 8th, 2011. So this is in time for the Was he uh, so not non-tendered or was he traded? Uh, the Cubs traded Tyler okay. Colvin and infielder DJ LeMahieu to the Colorado Rockies for Ian Stewart and Casey oh, Weathers. <laughs> I, 
I don't know if you saw me, but I was giggling to myself when I saw that name, Ian Stewart. Ian Stewart. I remember him. What was he, like, catcher, third base? Did he third ever base. play any catcher, third base? Okay. I don't remember catcher, but third base for sure. I remember I used to love Ian Stewart. Yeah, I remember. He had some potential coming up. A Lots of potential. And uh, I, I think DJ LeMay, he was an afterthought. And Tyler Colvin was just a scrub who uh, looked good by comparison because all scrubs look good with the Cubs. Uh, <laughs> What was it, Matt Merton, uh, Brian LaHare? Come on, you guys. Yeah, Brian LaHare. I, I saw him play in person his last year in Chicago, and it was like I think the wind chill was 19 degrees in an April game against the Reds, and the Reds were terrible too. Oh, it, like outfielders couldn't catch balls. It, it, was, it was a rough game. Uh, Tyler Colvin was also 26 years old, but I, I think his career was on the downswing, even though, let's see. L- listen to this. This is from uh, uh, ESPN. I'll, I'll tell you who the writer is when I get up, uh, back up. Oh, it's Bruce Levine. Okay. Okay. Uh, has been in, Colvin, 26, has been of interest to the Rockies. As Colorado scouts feel, he is closer to the player who hit 20 home runs and 350 at-bats during the 2010 season, as opposed to the one who hit 150 with six home runs <laughs> last season. Uh, I, I don't even remember Tyler Colvin. I'm looking at his page now. That's not a guy that I really remember even being in the league. Now, I remember him because Cuff fans, uh, you know, we, we, we latch on to any prospect that comes up through a minor league system and can. Hey, he had that great year for Colorado for one year. Batted yeah. 290, 530 slugging, and then just completely dropped off. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. That's why I'm like, Cuff fans, calm the frick down about this trade. <laughs> and I haven't even brought up DJ LeMahieu yet, but yeah. Um, LeMahieu. Drafted by the Cubs in the second round in 2009, he had 250 with zero home runs and four RBI in 37 games last season. That, that was the blurb that Bruce Levine got that gave him right here. So let's – nobody cared about DJ LeMahieu for the Cubs stats. I think yeah. Cubs fans would tell you that they were pretty much – I think they were more heartbroken about Tyler Colvin getting traded than they were about DJ LeMahieu. It's, it's now treated as an afterthought in this trade. So I mean, he's, he's definitely – especially in today's day and age of words, you know, lift the ball and pull it. I mean, DJ LeMahieu is definitely um, zagging when everybody's zigging. Yeah. And it's um, he had the top number one percent in expected batting average, um, 322. I think that was actually higher than his actual batting average. It's just he hits the ball. He knows how to get it in play. He knows how to – he's just a professional hitter. And there's really not much to say. I mean, he's always hit the ball hard. He's never really – it was a career high in launch angle, so maybe that speaks to a kind of increase in some power production. Well, but like, the, uh, everything else really hasn't changed with him. He still hits it to the opposite field more than he pulls it. He still hits it up the middle a lot, and he still hits line drives. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of how Robinson Cano was hitting at Yankee Stadium. I mean, oh, he's a left-handed hitter, but, you know, both are – I see them both as second baseman, right? Primarily second yeah. baseman. You know, Lemayhew, we talked about his versatility. But anyway, but you mentioned that he really – didn't uh, mix his approach too much at Yankee Stadium. LeMahieu didn't. Well, it kind of reminds me of Robinson Cano, how he wasn't the, uh, you know, all the figures didn't show like an overpowering hitter, which is kind no, of he, he was a line drive hitter. All the, exactly. like, even, even when he went to Seattle, it's like he didn't really hit that many fly balls. They were all just line drive rockets. Well, I'll, and, tell, you, I'll, I'll tell you about what, what happened in Seattle. Because in Yankee Stadium, he was hitting line drives like, it's easy. You're left-handed yeah. hitter, you're going to hit line drives because it's a Line drive ball. home run. To right field, exactly. He goes to Seattle, and you're right, not much changed. But one thing that did change was his ground ball rate, which yeah. went over 50%. Why? Because he adjusted. He's a great hitter. He adjusts to his surroundings. Okay, he realized, I'm not going to be able to hit for all these home runs here, but I'm just going to try my best to hit for average and try to hit where they ain't. And 
Yeah, his ground ball and pull and pull it when you can. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. So that's a testament. I mean, it sucked that he had to go to Seattle and 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 just kind of see his numbers and his production dip from what I remember. But yeah. yeah, that's the one thing I do remember is that once he went to Seattle, he became a ground ball hitter because of his surroundings. Yeah, in 2017, I believe that was the year he won the – no, that was the year after he won the batting title. Uh, DJ LeMayhew, this is just like a wild number to me. His opposite field batting – or batted ball profile, he hit the ball to the opposite field 39.1% of the time. And that's why you wonder why teams started playing four-man outfields, shifted to the opposite field, because that's, that's what he did. And last year he pulled it 25% of the time, which was slightly above his career average. But – like I said, he's doing his thing. He's hitting line drives. He's batting 300-plus. He was a great sign for the Yankees. I hate having to say that, but it, it, it was just a great fit. The second I saw it, I was like, this guy's going to hit at least 25 home runs. Like In that ballpark, in that division, weak pitching, he, he's going to take advantage of it fully. And he's a guy that everyone should really be looking out to pick up on your fantasy team. All right. Uh, utility. I thought we were making great time. I thought we, we had it. But I, I, I see that we're at the 40-minute mark, and I – yeah, I don't want to. Just in time to finish up the pitchers. Or the hitters. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one to finish up on. It's uh, Jordan Alvarez. Uh, I see a note here from Fangraph saying that they expect him to play more outfield this year. Uh, for fantasy purposes, I hope that is the case because uh, having him, having a 22-year-old who's going to be 23 this season uh, just be primarily a designated hitter, that's kind of a waste of space. You get, I mean, I, I kind of justify it with guys like Nelson Cruz. But a, Jordan, a young guy like Jordan Alvarez, I want him playing the outfield so he can get me that multiple uh, eligibility. But, yeah, there's really not a lot to hate about this guy uh, as he kind of broke out in his rookie year last year. Yeah, I would say breakout was an understatement there. I mean, he just absolutely mashed. Uh, when he was with the Dodgers, he was very kind of – I don't want to say scrawny because he was a part of the uh, Josh Reddick deal, I believe, that came over. And um, I'll look it up. Go ahead. Yeah, and – just looking at his baseball savant numbers, he's a big guy. He's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Um, another one of those Cuban mashers. He's only 22, and he was top 5% in the league in barrel percentage, exit velocity, expected slugging, WOBA, expected WOBA, hard hit percentage, walk percentage. At 22 years old, we, we talk about how great Juan Soto's plate discipline is, and it's I would say it's better than Jordan Alvarez's, but he doesn't have the power that Alvarez does and the, the ferocity of the swing. And Alvar, Alvarez walked 14.1% of the time, and he just – Pitchers tried to adjust and throw him more off speed. He batted 375 against that. Uh, pitchers tried to throw him more breaking balls. He still hit nearly 10 home runs in uh, ugh, in 400 pitches. I mean, he didn't have a weakness. They kept trying to find it, and they couldn't find it. And I, I always remember that mammoth tank shot that he hit up into like the third or fourth deck uh, at Minute Maid Park, and they actually marked it with a red seat now. It's like on the fourth or fifth deck. It's something crazy. It really – they said it only went like 380 feet, but I think the system got broken there because of how high it went. But um, 313 average, 412 on base, 655 slugging in his first 300, 300 at-bats. That being said, it was only 300 at-bats, and he struggled in the postseason. So there will probably be some regression here. But the batted ball data doesn't support it. But we'll see how pitchers attack him going into a new season. All right. So from the L.A. Times, you're going to love this uh, title from uh, the L.A. Times. How the Houston Astros snapped slugger Jordan Alvarez from the Dodgers. 
and that just that pretty much is the template that they use for everything. They blamed Houston for all their problems. Right? <laughs> okay, Rip. Uh, let's see here. What do we got? He was like an af- like him and Willie Calhoun were like both kind of discarded by the Dodgers. Like they're just kind of like, yeah, get out of here. Okay. Um, unfortunately, this is like a real story, and I just want the the bare bones. I just wanted to read that title. How the Dodgers uh, lost out on your oh, Alvarez, it was the it was the Josh Fields trade, the relief pitcher Josh Fields, not Josh Reddick. My apologies. Yeah, yeah I yeah. did see that name, but I wanted to see what else was involved. But anyway, we talked long <laughs> enough about the Astros and Dodgers and whatever. Let's move on to the pitchers. Uh, let me make sure I got this uh, up and running here. Yeah. Uh, we have four starting pitchers who match up uh, perfectly in Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Jack Flaherty, Walker Bueller. Uh, I, I don't know. Is there anything to say about these guys? I mean, everybody knows who – everybody should know who these guys are. Yeah, uh, Garrett Cole um, obviously had one of the, the greatest two-year stretches we've seen in a while. Um, going to Yankee Stadium, going to the American League East, I, I worry about – any pitcher that has to transfer into the American League East. He has the stuff. He's going to miss bats. But he's someone who has always, you know, had a propensity to give up home runs. And I feel like that division can sometimes put a magnifying glass on that issue. Um, But he's still going to get the strikeouts. I wouldn't expect a 2-5 ERA. He's still going to have the crazy low whip, crazy high strikeouts. But I would expect a normalized ERA just going into that division. Um, but yeah, the hard hit rate was all like hit, they're still above average, but they're closer to league average in terms of exit velocity and hard hit percentage. But still, obviously, probably the best pitcher in that in the American League, if not seconded by his former teammate Verlander, who made both of our list. But um, definitely still draft him. I'd be a little worried though about the the change of ballparks for sure. Yeah, and then you just mentioned Verlander. I mean, unless there's an injury update, I really don't want to talk about him because – What was his injury right before um, – was it oblique? I forget. It's been such a long time ago. Yeah, I haven't it feels like a lifetime ago that, like, spring training was halted, and it's, uh, I'm shocked. Uh, well, Jack Flaherty is, like, probably a guy that not a lot of people know of, but, I mean, he's still a top-tier, top 20, top 25 starting pitcher coming into this season. Uh, it was a groin? No, it wasn't a groin, was it? It says groin here. Uh, it might have been. Huh? I, I just I really don't remember. Oh, well, I, I honestly thought it was something much more, more serious than that. Yeah, I thought, he had I, to have sur- I thought he had to have surgery. I don't know. Ooh, well, I mean, if it's just a groin, it's already been, yeah. what, we're already in uh, late April. He should yeah. be recovered, unless you, like you said, there's a surgery involved. But yeah. at any rate, uh, Jack Flaherty, uh, Walker Bueller. I like Walker Bueller a lot, young uh, Dodgers pitcher. Who's uh, I still believe in him. I know people are kind of uh, wary about him and and his development, but I still believe in Walker Bueller to uh, yeah. become the absolute unquestioned ace of that Dodgers staff. I would argue that my number five is going to push him. The guy who was even more heralded than Walker Bueller coming up and has had his career, you know, somewhat sidelined by injuries. Uh, Julio Urias. I'm, He's still only, I think, 20, I was just looking, 23 years old. But it's like he, when he originally came up, he was 19 or 20. Yeah. He dealt with a couple of injuries. And if you look – I just wish everyone could go look at his baseball savant page right now because it is nothing but red. And he played a bit of a swingman role last year, appeared in 37 games, started eight, recorded four saves. He was kind of, kind of the Swiss Army man for the uh, Dodgers last year. But 
elite level spin rate and was in the hundredth percentile of hard hit percentage against. He was, I think, number one or number two. I think there are only two guys that were that low. And I really think he's about to break out. I think he has a starting slot finally solidified. Uh, I think he's going into the season as their number three or four um, with Alex Wood rounding out at the back of the rotation. But I, I think Julio Urias is being slept on because of the emergence of Walker Bueller. And I think that's why he's a guy that you should be targeting in every single draft. It's just he does everything great. He has a, a great pitch mix, uh, the fastball slider changeup. The curve is kind of iffy, but with how good his slider is, I'm not really worried about it. Uh, batters batted 122 against his slider. It, it's just a wipeout pitch. And if batters really struggle against the fastball because of how much spin he has on it, 94th percentile, and they whiffed on uh, nearly 30% of his fastballs. Kind of reminds me of uh, the Verlander with the pitch mix. He doesn't have the curve Verlander had. But I think he could really, you know, kind of become that next level pitcher. Uh, here's the issues I have with Julio Arias. Uh I mean, he's, he's had injury problems before. That's number one. Number two, he plays for the Dodgers, which uh, same reason I give you for Max Muncy. Uh, it's just – it's hard to trust that team. Yeah, he's listed as the uh, as a back-end starter for now. But you know that Dave Roberts is already thinking of how he can utilize him out of the bullpen. So, that, I mean, I love the kid. I mean, yeah, he's still only 23 years old. will be 24 by August, uh, middle August. Um and uh, yeah, all the re- all the stuff that you mentioned is is the reason why people fell in love with him as a as a prospect darling uh, just a few years ago. But if he's not getting the opportunities, I, I I'm kind of wary of taking that chance. I know you just said he should be on everybody on your you should be targeting him, but Felipe's perspective, like I need a little bit more. Uh, what's that word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, just that know that know knowing that he will be. Getting that a vote of every, confidence. He needs a vote so of much. confidence. That he's going to get the ball every five starts is what I'm trying to and say. And you see, yeah. th- that's my thing is he's still two years younger than Walker Bueller. And it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it's like one of those things that when prospects come up and they're like number one, number two, number three, and all of baseball, and then they're suddenly not prospects anymore and they lose that that sheen, I guess. It's like Yurikson Profar, Byron Buxton, both guys who are, you know, top of the prospects boards, just like Urias was. But now that they're not really consi- – they're not considered that, they're still very useful players. And I, I just think Urias is going to be one of those guys that the Dodgers might try and lock up, give him the Acuna-level contract. He, like I said, he's 23 years old. Um, I think he's still under team control for about three or four more years. But I could see that that would be a really smart play for both of them, knowing his injury history, but no, also knowing his potential which is probably why he would accept it because of, you know, prior injuries. But I think that's their future ace. I really do like Walker Bueller. I really do. I think he's a little hyped right now. I think you're buying high on him. And I don't like doing that with pitchers any, any time. I don't like buying high. And Julio Urias is the perfect buy low guy. Uh, I, I think he's going to get more like – if he's going to get an extension, it'll, it'll be more the Ozzie Albies route. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying like the, the, the money of Acuna, but like, you know, a, a five-year, six-year, yeah. you know, $60 million, $70 million. Yeah, I, I, I could you. see that. I got gotcha. you. Uh, I went with James Paxton just because uh, he's on the right team. 
And you got mad at me saying Urias couldn't stay healthy. <laughs> no, I know. I, I know. the. I mean, I, I still have my little note here from, uh, look at that, uh, out until April 25th, hoping to return by early May. You know that was three days ago, right? <laughs> no, it's uh, February 23rd. Oh, but oh, it said out until April 25th, my bad. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. The note is from February 23rd. Yeah, he's out until April 25th. Well, we're, we're past that we're, point. We're past it. <laughs> so we don't know when the season starts, but when, when the season starts, he has no excuse, right? He has to be healthy. <laughs> Uh, you know, he does enough to – like, I've always liked them in Seattle. So he's Whenever he's on the field, he performs. It's just – yeah, he he can't stay on the field. Uh, in the last three years, he's well, – yeah, Has he topped the 150 innings? No, but uh, – <laughs> actually, yes, I, he has. The last he did it once. Seasons. Last last two years? Okay. Last two I thought seasons, it was only yeah. one of them. But, I mean, he, he's gotten in over 24 starts the last three years. So that's progress, you know. And like you said, when he's out there, he actually does perform. He's on the right team with the Yankees who should give him all the wins that he can handle, all the run support he can handle to get those cheap wins on that team. So that's – and as my number five starter. Yeah, he's a, yeah he, he would be a, a very good fantasy starter. Yeah. He gets a lot of strikeouts, limits walks. But if you look at, like, his ERA in Seattle, he had a couple of years in the high threes, and then he had a couple at right around three. First year with the Yankees – Three eight two, that's kind of somewhat of the adjustment I'm expecting from Cole. I'm expecting him to go from about a two two and a half ERA to more of a a three 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 five area, uh, just kind of bringing it back to Cole's ERA. I see a lot of the same in Paxton as well. Yeah, uh, listen, man. As long as the WHIP stays below one thirty, I'm good with that. I'm mean, like from the number five starter. That's that's all you can really hope for anyway. Yeah. And uh, Paxton, even though he's injured a lot. He's pretty much a, like a safe, ironically speaking, by the way, a safe bet uh, as your mid-rotation uh, pitcher on, in fantasy leagues, let alone on a real team. So that's yeah, especially in points, that. especially in points with all of his strikeouts. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, case in point, he's he was my fantasy keeper in my points league for a long time, just for all the reasons you just mentioned right there. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't work out for me. So, <laughs> yeah, imagine being on, you're in a keeper league, right? And your yep. two your two uh, foundation pitchers, starting pitchers, are James Paxton and Carlos Martinez. This was just a few years ago for me. So Carlos Martinez, ouch. Yeah, speaking of the Cardinals, right? Yeah, he's another guy who, if the Cardinals were bunched in with last week's bunch, mm-hmm. with how weak their pitching was. Carlos Martinez probably would have cracked this list, either as a starting pitcher or maybe even a relief pitcher. Uh, the, Card- the Cardinals plan on using him as a starter this year, but with uh, Sparp eligibility, you know, I-, I think he would have cracked my list last week. I'm not so, sure, but I think he would have. I'm going to take a look at that really quick. It's going to move some things around. Let's uh, unfreeze these and. Uh... Hopefully, I don't confuse people. This is last week's list, I believe. Yeah, this is last week's list. And yes, this, there the you pitchers go. are right there. Aaron Nola, Brandon Woodrow, Zach Yeah, w- would you have picked Carlos Martinez over Max Fried or Adrian Hauser? Probably over Adrian Hauser. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, he would have he pushed my list. He probably would have appeared as a relief pitcher, if anything, uh, especially in a points league where that spark eligibility, if you can get starting – pitcher points out of a relief pitcher slot that is just a win-win and his thing has just always been almost like a a headspace maturity thing with Martinez that's coming from their own organization too Uh, he has all the talent in the world he throws hard has a nice sinker it's just getting him one healthy 
and two, getting him to focus. Like that, that's always what they've said is like he, he has a hard time focusing on the mound, off the mound, he, just trying to take it seriously. Um, but he's not a guy that um, if he's your back end starter in a 12 team league, that's not terrible. Even better if you have him in a relief pitcher slot. Yeah. Speaking of relief pitchers, we're uh, stretch run right here. Clean sweep for all of us. Uh, I mean, everybody should know who Aroldis Chapman is. Everybody should know who Bobby Bear is, Roberto Osuna. Uh, the one guy we should probably talk about uh, in, uh, in focus here is Giovanni Gallegos, who is with the Cardinals. Supposedly, he's going to be the closer now that C-Mart, Carlos Martinez, is, with the, uh, is in the rotation. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the same way you see it, too, that he's going to be the closer, right? Yeah, and he kind of took over the role last year. They were they were very much a closer by committee for a good bit last year. I, I know I think John Brebia picked up some. Uh, John Gant might have even had a few, one of their long man guys. And his – Gallegos kind of jumped out. His slider is just absolutely wicked. He had a whiff percentage of 50%. They batted 123 against it. And – like whenever a good reliever has a very good pitch, he threw it a lot. He only throws the four-seamer and the slider. He threw seven change-ups, but that almost seems like accidents. Um, but through the slider 44% of the time, fastball 55. Uh, he elevates the fastball well. He doesn't have great velocity on the fastball. It's actually only uh, – he averaged 93.7, which isn't terrible, but when you're looking at the likes of Aroldis Chapman, it is slightly underwhelming. But he counters that by having really good spin rate, 85th percentile, and a 24-28 spin rate. So very, very good. You love to see it. And actually had 23% uh, percent whiffs on the fastball as well. That comes from having good spin and properly elevating the fastball. Yeah, and I'm right now showing what I had as my depth chart for the uh, the relief pitchers. So I have Giovanni yeah, Gallegos as my closer. His, his safety isn't the best, especially if Jordan Hicks comes back with the extended break, if Andrew Miller can somehow get the wheels on the bus to go round and round again. No, he's um, not closing. No way. Yeah, he, he's probably not a closer, but they do have other options that could force Gallegos into a, a bit of a fireman role. Um, that would be my one worry. But those are the only options. That's it. I mean, it wasn't like how we watched the Brewers or the Yankees have, like, all these guys. I mean, they're, they're not that deep uh, compared to other teams. So that's why I kind of like Gallegos' chances to run away with this. I mean, Miller is not going to be the closer. No way. He's just too valuable uh, in late inning situations, in my opinion. Uh, and Brittany, you mentioned Bravia. He, he looked broken in spring training. I, I know he had a bad year last year, but he looked legitimately broken in spring yeah. training. Yeah. He, he had a, uh, an appearance against the Mets, and he couldn't throw a strike. It was scary to watch because this is a guy that dominated baseball for five-plus years. And, I mean, people just would whiff at him. And now he, he it looks like he's just – hopefully he overcomes it. But – um. Like getting up there in age, man. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's, it's, they're normal. Gallegos, Brebia, Gant. There, there was somebody else. Hicks, um, Junior Fernandez was a, a, a minor leaguer that came up last year mm -hmm. and just has a wicked sinker, changeup, slider mix. Actually, throws all three. Um, his end of the year ERA got kind of skewed. He only had about thirteen or fourteen innings, and then like his last appearance against the Diamondbacks, he gave up like five runs. But he's a guy who has the pitch mix. Um, the Cardinals do view him very highly. If you're in a, uh, a dynasty league, I would definitely recommend going after Junior Fernandez. 
uh, really quick. Uh, Miller will be 35 by May 21st yep. or after May 21st. Uh, he's been in the league since 2006. It's Starting just, pitcher converted, yeah. I mean, they had to. He wasn't panning out. He's a former first-round pick, and he made himself a nice little career being uh, a reliever. But uh, time catches up with everybody. No more steroids, no more HGH. These players cannot – no more amphetamines. So, yeah, this is the result. It's a young man's league now. Yep. Uh, Taylor Rogers. Uh, you know, let me go back to that list. Taylor Rogers is the last guy that we're going to talk about here. Um, I had a hard time picking amongst those twins relievers because I, I literally, I, I literally think it could be three different guys. They are definitely loaded here. Uh, I like Trevor May. I like Tyler Duffy. Sergio Romo has experience. Tyler Clifford's on that team as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the twins are still, they're going to look at their bullpen and say, you know what, Taylor, you're going to have to be our lefty uh, play yeah. the Andrew Miller role. But until that happens, you, you, you'd be hard-pressed not to go with him in this, in this exercise. It's like w- when you look at all three's arsenals, Taylor Rogers is the sinker-slider lefty. Um, great, great sinker and slider. Um, but like you said, he might be relegated to a different type of role. Um, Trevor May, I think, probably has the highest potential out of all of them. Uh, when I looked at relievers that elevated their fastballs last year, Trevor May was one of the best at it. And then he, he pairs it with a really nice curveball that's – the curve on its own isn't the best, but when you pair it with how well he elevates his fastball and changes eye levels consistently and he makes good command, he doesn't really hang too many. I think Trevor May might be their closer in waiting. But at the same time, Sergio Romo is still out there slinging sliders uh, like he's Sonic or something. I, I don't know. I think Sonic serves sliders. Crystals. We can say crystals. And he has the about White Castle. Yeah, White Castle. I'm in the South. It's crystals for us. Um, oh but but dude. Sergio Romo is – I was shocked to see another guy, if you go to his baseball savant page, Father Time has not caught up to him yet. He's 37, mm-hmm. was still elite in terms of exit velocity, hard hit percentage, and he – Throws the slider 60% of the time. Yeah. Uh, his least thrown pitch was actually his four-seam fastball. He throws slider 60, change-up 16, and a sinker 14% of the time. And the slider's still working for him. I mean, they batted 183 against it, whiffed a third of the time, and he has the experience. And if either of those guys fumble the closer's role or they feel they might need them in more higher leverage situations, Sergio Romo might scoop up some saves. Yeah, well, Sergio Romo continues to just, like you mentioned, the slider is what keeps him relevant nowadays despite the advanced age. Uh, I actually was a Trevor May believer last year uh, in my keeper league. uh, I gambled on Trevor May being the Twins' closer, and they went with a committee, and May rarely saw any uh, opportunities before they settled upon Taylor Rogers. So I I, I misgambled on that regard. But yeah, and May's 30 years old. I'm not sure if that is going to possibly hurt him in terms of, you know, if they're trying to establish somebody to be a long-term closer. I mean, Rogers really sure is only 29. Him. I mean, it's yeah, not that Both of these guys, ha- I feel like, have been around a while. But just, yeah. yeah, May has been around since 2014. Like, that's kind of – I don't know. No, I, I think uh, they – when it's all said and done, they're just going to find – I think they're just going to stick with a closer by committee and Taylor Rogers is going to be your – uh, Andrew Miller role, but until I ha- until you know something more definitive happens, you, you I mean Taylor Rogers is a good pitcher, just the opportunity yeah. sucks. And Trevor May is a really good pitcher, 
the opportunity sucks. Uh, I want to talk about the Sonic thing. Hold on. So <laughs> down in the south, what, what do they call crystals? Like the things that crystal serves? I don't like know. You the, mentioned crystals is what oh, you call it in the south. I don't know what what, what are crystals. Uh, White White Castle and crystals they basically serve those same little steamed burger buns, uh, like the sliders. Um, there is a like, I want to say the nearest White Castle might be in like Florida, but crystals is like really they serve a lot of the same food. Wait, crystals it, is an is an establishment. It's a restaurant. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. K Y S T A L S. And oh, the, the, okay. they actually call their little like White Castle like sliders crystals. So interesting makes I it a little confusing. Yeah, I they're they're like the Southern White Castle. <laughs> they're really good. And before the whole pandemic, they used to be open twenty four hours, and they're like right down the road from my apartment. So I would go there at like two three in the morning when I couldn't sleep, or I was just like watching movies, and I'd get a couple of sliders. Oh, it's the it makes you feel terrible afterwards, but it's you know it's great when you have it in the moment. I was gonna say that. Uh, because uh, you mentioned crystals, I I was gonna correct you and say no. Sonic has the Chaos Emeralds. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm talking about the food Sonic. They they just started serving sliders, which isn't terrible because they're we're gonna turn this into an episode of the lab, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I mean, Sonic Sonic has pretty good. They just started. They're called Slingers. I guess they're <laughs> trying to make a new thing. Hey, slinging sliders. You know, I used yeah, that earlier. Like Sergio Romo. Wrap it up. <laughs> We have a little bit of time. Let's uh, let's see if we can uh, spend some time on maybe some guys that were not mentioned. That we didn't yet. talk about? Yeah. Because there's a lot of good guys that we didn't really get to talk about. Wow. Miguel Sano is one of them. I see you kind of have him highlighted. Giancarlo Stanton is uh, someone I was trying to fit in, and I just couldn't um, fit him in. I mean, like I said, I like buying low, and Stanton's definitely a guy you're going to be able to buy low on this year. And the skills are still there, in my yeah. opinion. Henry, it's just health. I was going to say, uh, Henry, who uh, was hosting for you that one week, uh, was bragging about how he was able to get him in the seventh or ninth round or something like that. Oh, that's that's really good value. Yeah. Although, I think I could have sworn he said that you were giving him shit about it. So, I don't, I don't know who to believe. Oh, him. no. I, I like Stan. I like Stan. Yeah. Granted, like Sano. Sano in 2019 was in the 100th percentile of exit velocity and barrel percentage. Jesus. Um, and I have a story from – when he was in the minor leagues with uh, their double A team is in the Southern league, which I worked at last year. And they said that Miguel Sano came to Montgomery and their scoreboard, they had like this fixture in left field above the scoreboard. It had the, like the biscuit or the M on it. I can't remember. And they said he came in there and hit a ball. I mean, this sign had to be like 50 feet, 60 feet up in the air, something crazy. And he hit it an additional 20 feet over that and into the river, which had to be at least 100-something feet, 150 feet outside the stadium. And I was, like, looking at him, 6'4", he's probably more than his listed 272. He's a big guy. It's like when he swings, it's just crazy levels of power. Also on this list is Nelson Cruz, who we did not talk about. Uh, I remember my wife and I had a discussion about Nelson Cruz. Kind of, uh, she's kind of questioning uh, how real he is uh, in terms of uh, the production. Um, I'm kind of shocked that he's still 40 years old and is still banging. But yeah, as long as he has at bats, I mean, he's going to be solid. On he was 99. <laughs> Look at his baseball savant page and exit velocity: top one percent, top one percent, top one percent. He has been in the top one percent of exit velocity five years in a row. <laughs> that's insane yep. that's his age 34 35 36 37 and 38 39 seasons that's wild oh, man, but nelson. yeah I'm, and that's the thing is um 
He's also playing for a contract. This is the last year. He could retire, but if you're performing like this, why would you retire? Especially if there's going to be a team that's going to give him a contract. I don't think it'll be the Twins since they have so many prospects coming up that are could fill that very easily, or Josh Donaldson could fill it, but another bopper that is playing for a contract. We mentioned George Springer's uh... – He's still fast. He's just not stolen base fast. Yeah, he's a top yeah. 10 in sprint speed on this list of, uh, of the five teams we're talking about. Um, missing in action was also Gavin Lux, who uh, I, I I always keep an eye on him. I, I really like his potential. But yeah. he did not make any of our teams. Uh, I, I was talking to uh, Sullivan about this, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, got to think about Lux. And both him and Will Smith, who we did mention a little bit, they are penciled in for that seven and eight slot in the Dodgers lineup, which, you know, is still a very deep lineup, but it's it's anchored by two rookies down there. So you have to wonder what their counting stats might look like. Um, but, yeah, Gavin Lux, you know, top prospect, according to some um, places, wherever you get your prospect information. I'm not – I still think he's much like Corey Seager. I don't think there's going to be a huge difference in production. Um, some people think Lux is a higher batting average guy. I'm, I think he's more 280, 290, which is still great, but not like the, the 330 some people expect him to be. You mentioned Byron Buxton. He's right there at the top of the list in sprint speed. Uh, Tyler O'Neill. I always – people forget how fast he is as well. Um, so. the, the Cardinals have a lot of outfielders that they don't know what to do with right now. Yeah. O'Neill, Bader, Bader yeah. Um, Dylan Carlson, top prospect. Um Dexter Fowler still on the roster. So they're definitely got to fit some of these guys in somewhere. Uh, let's see. Anybody else we're missing? Uh, I don't want to talk about Alex Avila. We all know Kyle Tucker. Is. I'm a big Kyle Tucker fan. There he is. And hopefully with a new manager. Apparently, A.J. Hinch was not a huge fan of Kyle Tucker. I'm not sure if it was his personality or whatever. I, I don't have the, the inside knowledge well, of that. But with Dusty Baker, new manager, he might be able to um, – Nah. Win an inside track. No. Uh, Dusty Baker. Plays old people, I know. <laughs> yeah, he's not the friendliest guy to young players, I can tell you that much. So, uh, But there's always exceptions to the rules. I mean, And, and the potential is there. You, you have him pinged at a 92 exit velocity last year. He yeah. was – I mean, he hit the ball very well. And he has he has the, the five tools. He's not the greatest defender. Um, he's pretty fast. It doesn't really show in the field. I know they're – playing him a little bit at first base so they don't really know where he's going to play but definitely next year when George Springer leaves in free agency which I believe he will then he will have an everyday spot especially I think Redick is leaving last year of his contract as well so he might Kyle Tucker might have to wait one more year but if he doesn't if there's an injury he's definitely going to be the first to step up and he was one of those top five prospects that can't miss uh, just uh, I heard a knock on the door, so that must mean that uh, my wife's needing me for something. But quickly, <laughs> Josh James is another guy that I really like. We didn't get a chance to mention him. Uh, uh, Maeda. One, one of the best fastballs in baseball, Josh James. Yeah, Kenta Maeda might be relieving before uh, he finishes the season as a starter. That's at least uh, one person's take. I forgot who's, but they uh, are saying that he might end up a reliever in Minnesota but when it's all said and done. But uh, Maeda's a good one. We talked about Carlos Martinez. Dakota Hudson, uh, do you like him a lot or not? I think he is going to regress a lot. Yeah. But I also don't think it's going to be as much as a lot of people. A lot of people are just avoiding him altogether because he had a, a really high expected batting average or a crazy low bat for how much he, the ball went in play. But if you see that launch angle against three, three degrees, 
He's a sinker baller. He throws the sinker. He has a really good infield defense behind him. Let them make plays. I mean, Colton Wong, Paul DeYoung, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, and I think Carpenter might be a third. I'm not really sure the variation of that. But he's going to regress, but I still think he's going to be a solid um, – I think he's more of a roto league pitcher. Um, the whip might be a little high because he does allow so much balls in play, but he should – the ERA shouldn't, like, skyrocket or anything. Final guy we're going to talk about is the man that you see below Dakota Hudson. It's Jose Urquidy. Urquidy? I don't know how to say his name. Um, but I, I had a high hopes for him. Uh, I targeted him and Josh James in all my drafts uh, when I got to that point where it was time for me to pull the trigger on these two Astros pitchers. I, I, I hold him in high regard. Do you uh, also feel the same way about Jose Urquidy here? Urquidy really reminds me kind of like a Chris Paddock. Um, they're more of fastball changeup pitchers with good command. And I, I think Arkady has the better changeup for sure. Um, but he doesn't have the fastball that um, Paddock has. The velocity is about a tick lower. Um, he throws two different breaking balls while Paddock really just throws the one. And Arkady does throw it more. Uh, but I, I just think neither of his breaking balls are really, you know, plus offerings. Um, they batted 200 against his slider. And he had really high whiff rate, so maybe I need to reanalyze that. But his changeup is the his money pitch. Um, I think a lot of people sit on the changeup. He throws it. He he should probably throw it more. I think if he went the route of Luis Castillo and threw it closer to you know forty percent of the time instead of twenty five, and maybe threw the fastball less, he he'd be in a good spot. He's at twenty four point five percent according to the twenty nineteen. Uh, Statcast uh, figures that I have here, uh, and you know what? That's a good place to stop right there. I gotta get going, but uh, Sean, thank you as always for joining us this week or joining all me. The, this all week. the lineups are done. <laughs> we yeah, gotta find all, something else now. <laughs> all thirty teams. Uh, hey, you know what? I'm gonna leave it up to you. You're gonna uh, <laughs> you're gonna uh, script uh, my final show uh, before for sure. For sure, I'm pretending to leave. And uh, we'll go from there. So it's, oh, it, 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 it's funny that I mentioned that he reminds me of Chris Paddock uh, yeah. using uh, baseball savants, uh, similar pitchers based on velocity and movement. Who's the second name on the list? Chris Paddock. <laughs> <laughs> Worked out perfectly. Yeah. Uh, all the more reason to uh, go after him. Like a yeah, guy for sure. Trying to go after him. So like I said, you have a week to come up with next week's show. That's going to be your assignment. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to fly <laughs> blind. I have no idea what you're going to do. Feel free to throw some hints at me. But uh, until next time, uh, we'll see you guys out there soon next week.